0: Welcome to season two of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, we chat with athletes, coaches, and industry professionals at all levels of sport about the benefits that being involved in sport has provided them outside of just the performance side of things. I'm your host, Fiona. I've always wanted to delve deeper into the physical, social, and mental benefits being involved in sport has provided people. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you like this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. Let's get into today's episode. This week's guest is Maddie Hogan, three-time Paralympian and a mother of twins, Maddie opens up and discusses the relatable topic of comparison and what that can do to your self-esteem, why she made the jump from playing cricket to javelin, and the importance of taking a chance, believing in yourself, and bouncing back. Retired from the sport now, Maddie still gives back to the community as being a Change Our Game ambassador, which focuses on women's participation in all areas of sport. I really got a lot from this chat with Maddie. She's a perfect balance of humour and wisdom, and I hope you enjoy this one. So welcome, Maddie. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's We're in the middle of summer, but obviously it's doesn't really feel like summer, but that's okay. I'm happy to wait a little bit longer if we can get some warm weather towards the end of
0: it. <laughs> that's Melbourne for you, isn't it?
1: It is, isn't it?
0: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your sport and how you got into it?
1: Sure. So I, uh, I'm a retired javelin thrower and I had a funny transition to javelin. It's not really the sort of thing that a lot of kids uh, grow up throwing unless you grow up in Finland or, you know, Mm -hmm. an odd country like that where it is a a popular sport. But I started sport as a cricketer. I played cricket and was very into cricket. I loved playing cricket Uh, and it was... About the age of 17, 18, that I wanted to start competing against people who were like me and a disability like me. So I was playing cricket, obviously, against other girls who had two hands. And having Mm -hmm. one hand, I wanted to level the playing field, so to speak. So I started to look at different sports that I might be interested in to, to compete in, and I really liked the idea of doing Uh, an individual event Mm -hmm. so I went along to a talent search day with the Paralympic committee and I had somebody say to me well if you can throw a cricket ball you can probably throw a javelin." so it was from that day that I thought well obviously it makes sense and I quite liked the um, I should say now I know that they're two very different throwing techniques and I didn't know that at the time which made things a bit tough but uh, I think I'd, I'd done a little bit of sprinting, a bit of and a bit of throwing with school growing up, uh, on athletic days and events like that. And I always thought javelin appealed to me because it had the the running component, it had the runway component to the throw as well, and it was quite a powerful event. So so that's why it appealed to me even more so later in life when when somebody said, yeah, I reckon you could give it a go. So that's how I transitioned into into javelin, and I left cricket. I have played cricket again. I haven't played cricket since, oh, wow. and really just from that from that transition, um, picked up the jav and uh, gave it all my involvement in terms of training and, and competing from that day moving forward. And loved it. Loved transitioning into an individual event. Loved transitioning into a power event. And it was it was good fun. Yeah. So I reckon I I chose a good one for me.
0: Yeah. And. What made you choose from going from a team event to an individual?
1: It was more an individual pursuit in terms of what sport gave me. So uh, I love the community aspect of it, the team aspect of it. I'm a very social person, so I quite enjoy being around other people. But then sport for me was a very individual thing, as it would be for a lot of people. I guess. But for me, it was about me uh, proving to people um, that despite my physical disability, I was still very physically capable. Yeah. Um, so I went on this individual pursuit of proving to myself that I could uh, be better than I initially thought. And it was about not about breaking barriers mm-hmm. and jumping hurdles that other people had had put in front of me, but bit more so about what you know the restrictions I put on myself, really, so I wanted to prove to myself that that I was absolutely physically capable and could be as strong as as I wanted to be, and you know that I was doing it for me. I also think it just i playing cricket in a team with girls with two hands as I got older towards the later later years it was became apparent that my disability was, I guess, not holding me back, but at the forefront of my mind in terms of, and I think a lot of girls will probably say that going into their adolescence, you become very aware of your physical differences mm. to other girls as well. You, you don't want to be different. You don't want to be singled out. You want to be the same as everybody else. And I realised that um, I was putting myself down a lot because of my physical difference. So every time I'd misfield a ball or or drop a catch, I'd tell myself it wasn't because, you know, maybe that was a hard one to catch or the sun was in your eyes or you didn't set yourself up correctly. I was telling myself it was because I had a disability. Oh. And, um, it, yeah, it, it got quite quite tough. So that was... I wanted to move into an, a, an individual event where I couldn't compare myself against my teammates. I could yeah. only compare myself against my myself and uh, I wanted to compete against other girls who were the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. And did you ever dream of going to the Olympics? Was that in like in your mind when you like transitioned from cricket to javelin or was it just, oh, I just want to play sport?
1: I always wanted to play sport as elitely as i could or as highly high level as i could so i wanted would, would have loved to play cricket for the oz women's team but again realized hey hey maybe just maybe my my physical disability might make that a bit harder so when i transitioned to javelin i thought well you know what's what is the pinnacle of this event, and it was the Paris for me. So it was not long after I transitioned that I thought, no, this I I think I've got a, a good go of this, and would really love to qualify and and achieve that that event, the Paralympics. So yeah. I guess in short, no, I never saw myself being a Paralympian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but very quickly fell in love with the idea of it once i realized the path i was on yeah meant very much that i could be
0: once you could see that in the future you were like yes let's do this
1: yeah absolutely definitely definitely and again it was about the fact that i love sport love, yep. sport was a big big aspect big big component of my life um so why not attempt to be the best i could be at it
0: Oh that's amazing I like how your aspirations will always be the best you could be and not you know be the best in the world it's be the best that you could possibly get to so yeah that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a specific moment that you knew you were passionate about either sport in general or javelin?
1: I wouldn't say specific moment I would say high school for me very much I realised how much I love sport
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I, I and I think that came as I started to realise how many sports I participated in and uh, you know sport was one of my preferred subjects at high school obviously as I'm sure it is for a lot of people but you know the fact that I began I guess to recognise how much commitment I was putting into training with cricket and things like that and how much participation I was giving to athletics days cross-country days swimming days things like that a lot of people I guess would would pick their sport and for me at the time it was cricket but um I enjoyed all the sports so moving forward I I think even now uh, while I wouldn't say sport is a huge component of my life I've definitely taken the routine of exercise um into my life after sport and it is Exercise is a very big component of my my daily routine really um, and that just comes out of the the love of moving really.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I guess I don't know if sport was my favourite in early high school. I think there's a few of my year seven, year eight sport teachers that could have, could sit there and go, well, Fiona uh, ran away from the ball and did not want to participate. Yeah. But yeah. towards the end when I mixed like the theory of sport and the theory of coaching and, you know, all those PE, sport and rec subjects in, I really, yeah, Mm -hmm. found myself and became passionate. Now you studied at Deakin, is that right?
1: I did. I did study at Deakin for many years, came out of, came away from that with an exercise of sports science degree,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which I can proudly say I actually haven't used (laughs) much. That's I right. did. Um, I love studying exercise, sports science, and obviously, obviously during my athletics career, it aligned itself fairly well with what I was learning. And you know, despite following coaching advice and being being coached by mm-hmm. a javelin coach, there was a lot that I could go. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I learned that today in you know at uni, and I can see that this is what I'm actually applying in my training so it did come in quite handy during my athletic career but no I did not go on to be an exercise and sport scientist
0: (laughs) well that's okay but like the knowledge that you learnt in that degree I know um I did sport development at Deakin which has a bit of exercise and sports science base to it but I still use that randomly when I'm thinking about something and I'm like oh yeah it's this 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 and I'm like oh then everyday person probably doesn't have that knowledge that they're able to tap into
1: absolutely yeah and every now and then i catch myself somebody might say oh i've done this at the gym or oh, i'm sore from this or this happened and i'd say well that is because of that and then i go wow Where did that come from? My degree.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, I actually did listen to that subject. (laughs) Mm, You must have been paying attention.
1: Maybe I did end up submitting that essay. Can't remember.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But it's, yeah, it's really good that it benefited when you're doing your athletic career as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love studying it. Um, I did full time for about 18 months. And that was unfortunately through. Aging, So realised not long after that, that perhaps if, um, if international competition was something I wanted to do, maybe I should go part-time with uni.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: so then transition to part-time at uni, which was also good. And it just unfortunately meant it took me a little bit longer to, to graduate, but that's okay. I enjoyed it while I was studying.
0: Yeah. And you've come out of your degree uh, and even your career with a degree. So it's not like you came out either side of it with nothing you've come out both of them together
1: exactly yeah absolutely
0: so my next question is is there any significant milestones wins losses or injuries along your sporting journey
1: oh so many and I by no stretch of the imagination had an incredibly long sporting journey I mean it was long enough for me it was three Paralympics mm-hmm. years in between but I, I guess all of my wins, my losses, and my injuries, um they they tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so regardless of winning a gold medal or a bronze medal, um people quite often say to me, what's your favorite medal? Obviously it's a gold medal and I said, No, it's um it's my London bronze. And the reason for that is because of the story that went along with it and you know how hard it was to to get to bronze. And when I won my gold medal at, at World Champs, I didn't find it an exciting competition. I led the whole way. So for me that wasn't as challenging as coming from fourth place into into bronze on the last throw. So um a milestone. Or a, a significant moment for me, or period of time, I should say, was um, in the lead up to Rio. Uh-huh. I uh, had come back from an ACL rupture and missed out on the 2013 World Champs in Lyon, and then rehabbed um, from a traditional ACL reconstruction. Rehabbed took me a good 18 months and uh, in time to qualify for the next world champs in Qatar. And uh, it was when I was in Qatar that um, six days out from my competition, I ruptured my other ACL. Oh, and no. I think at that point in time, we were probably less than 12 months away from Rio. So for me, I remember lying in this on the stretcher in the back of the ambulance thinking, uh I, it sounds all very dramatic being in an ambulance, but they actually it was the only way they could get me to the hospital to get an MRI, <laughs> so I was quite okay. Um, but I knew I'd, as soon as I went down, I knew I'd done it. And I remember thinking it wasn't only about missing out on the world champs in Qatar. Uh, it was the fact that I was going to miss out on Rio and yeah. that in itself would probably dictate the end of my career. I'd always thought I'd be happy with three Paralympics and then that had set me up the right age to retire and to to move into to work. I was absolutely heartbroken that I'd put myself in the position of having an injury dictate retirement. So that period of time coming away from, coming home from Qatar and deciding what to do in terms of surgery because I had my specialist give me, Jane Rooney who I was working with with the other ACL had said to me we we actually have options so if you want to make Rio we could do a different surgery so we ended up and then that you know that opened the door to oh wow well, maybe I could make Rio but that moment in itself I knew if I decided to go down that path that uh, it wouldn't be easy mm-hmm. so uh, I had to I had to have a I really had to have a think of it and I remember, I, um, I remember that I called my parents and my coach and I don't know why I called them but I think in hindsight I actually probably wanted their support before mm-hmm. I made the decision and obviously I always had their support no matter what but I think I was feeling out the stupidity of the idea with them and yep. thinking that you know they'd come back and go, no, that's silly. You're not going to make Rio, and then me going, yeah, that's what I thought. No, we won't. We won't. Let's. I'll just you know hang up my boots here. But obviously, you know they did what they were going to do all along, which was support me. So they said, no, if this is something you want to do, then then do the surgery this way, and we'll support you to um, to work as best you can to qualify for Rio. So that moment for me, that period of time of going in for surgery, we did a cadaver graft, so we didn't graft my hamstring like you would do in a, uh, in a normal uh, reconstruction. So we used somebody else's ligament to put into my knee, which expedites recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, and then we really sat down with my specialist, my coach and, and I and really worked out the milestones we had to hit to qualify in time for the Games, I think the reason it was such a significant period of time for me was um, I really thought I was stupid. I thought people would think I was stupid. I thought people would think that I was an idiot for thinking that I was going to qualify in time for Rio. And it left me feeling quite vulnerable for somebody who's usually um, been on top of their game and in terms of strutting around at competitions, feeling fairly confident in terms of my own capability, I thought for once people are going to think that I'm silly uh, for thinking that I could qualify, but people obviously didn't. People just thought good good for you at giving it a go Mm. and coming back from from a second ACL. We worked really hard and we hit all the milestones. We didn't hit them all at the perfect time, but we ended up hitting them all. And we eventually qualified in time for me to make the team for Rio. So looking back, obviously I'm glad I did it that way. Obviously I'm glad I didn't retire after Qatar and and call it a day because that, no doubt I would have regretted not giving Rio a shot and I'm mm-hmm. glad Regardless of what happened in the end, of making the team, I'm glad that I decided to give it a shot because I think it it took a lot as a as an individual to um, put my neck out there and say I'm I'm going to give this a go even if I fail.
0: Yeah, and I guess the significance of that is you just you like you just come back from a rehabbed other knee, so you knew what you were in for. And you're yeah. like, you know what? No, I'm going to try again. And like that in itself is huge.
1: Absolutely, for everybody who's anyone who's um, rehabbed a, an ACL reconstruction, it's not an easy thing. It's certainly not something I think I could do again, to be honest. It's certainly not something mm-hmm. I would say I could do while I'm not an athlete, because as an athlete, you come out of it. You coming out of surgery with an injury and your main focus is to rehab that becomes mm. your job and if i was to do a if i was to have to rehab a knee now i don't think i would have the motivation or the time to mm. rehab it the way it should be because it wouldn't be my job i'd have other things that i'd have to focus on so my my main job became rehabbing my knee for a period yeah. of time and yeah i I, was, I got frustrated along the way because I'd not long before been at the exact same place with my other knee and I went through uh, a lot of it's not fair mm-hmm. um, moments. But uh, you just have to keep persevering.
0: Mm, wow. And so you ended up going to Rio and I've done some research and it says you made the B qualifying um, standard mm-hmm.
1: B qualifying standard. Yep. Threads
0: yeah. How does that? Yep. Yeah. How does that work in athletics? Obviously, I've got a swimming background, so I'm not 100 sure about athletics and how how you make the team. Yep. Absolutely.
1: So in athletics, um it look it may change changed now, but as an athlete, I'm pretty sure for all the time I was an athlete. So we have A qualifying standards and B yeah. qualifying standards. So. A qualifying standards are always much harder than a B qualifying standard. An A qualifying standard nine times out of ten means uh, automatic selection. Mm -hmm. A B qualifying standard means you're eligible for selection. Okay. Um, So it's a B qualifying standard can also leave you at the discretion of the selectors, obviously. Mm -hmm. um so I can only assume it is done the same way still I don't know but yeah back when I was an athlete so I would have loved to have made the A qualifying standard obviously but we also uh with the time that we had to make Rio uh we I guess we we put a cap on the amount of competition we wanted to do as well just because of the nature of you know, the risk of the knee during competition. So Mm -hmm. I I think from memory I went up to Townsville and did my B qualifying standard up there. And then I think I was told that I probably didn't need to do any more competitions and that that should see me selected and it did. So I
0: was obviously
1: happy about that.
0: Yeah. And so it works a little bit different in terms of athletics and swimming, I guess. With swimming, you do it at the Australian Champs and mm-hmm. yeah with athletics yep. you have a few different competitions that are obviously eligible if you make it sanctioned meets
1: one. yeah exactly so usually as an athlete we would target sanctioned meets and we would say we're going to go to these meets in these cities and uh we'll try and do a qualifying standard at these meets
0: yep Yep. cool oh well that's really lucky that you just you got it a few well, Oh yeah out. I guess it's
1: much easier than the the way the swimmers do it because we can we really have the ability to target a handful of competitions and should something not go quite to plan at one competition we've usually got another up our sleeve.
0: Yeah oh that's yeah that well that worked to your favor it's awesome. Exactly um, it did. And then at Rio you placed fifth is that right?
1: Yep so I finished up fifth which I, I was absolutely wrapped with.
0: <laughs> yeah like just qualifying would have been huge and then you know you've placed in the top six like that's insane and that's where you retired did you retire at that stage
1: yep so I retired and I already knew going into Rio that I was set for retirement coming out of it I think in the back of my mind also was just the known fact that um, once you've done one ACL you're at high risk of doing your other and once you've done two ACLs then of course you're at high risk of it happening all over again with either which knee so I think I felt very much like a digging dime bomb uh, on the runway. And that's not to say I would have done an ACL, but I certainly would have been worried mm. the rest of my career that I was going to. So Rio for me was, um, I'd say, maybe my favourite games. And people probably thought I was disappointed I didn't come away with a medal, but I wasn't at all. I was Really happy to have made the team, and I really enjoyed Rio because I went into it, knowing I was going to enjoy it, and just i I remember really enjoying the competition London, where I came away with the bronze, I did not enjoy the competition; it was stressful I think i there was a lot of pressure on me in the lead up mm-hmm. I went into it with a bad back, and it was just there was a lot of angst associated with the competition because I'd had the perfect lead in mm-hmm. and uh, there were expectations of me. So they were, they was very different competitions and I was very happy to come away from Rio knowing I'd enjoyed the whole experience, not just the competition itself, but I'd enjoyed, you know, being a member of the team again. I'd enjoyed um, being in the village. I'd enjoyed traveling. I'd enjoyed, you know, our pre-departure camp, things like that. So, I came away just with an, a lot more. I want to say good vibes, but that's <laughs> that's lame to say. But just a lot more respect for what other athletes go through, and how they experience different games as well. So,
0: it being your third games, like I guess the nerves of the first one have settled. The expectations of the second one are no longer there because you've just made the team after double ACL you know knee reconstruction like that in itself is insane and then yeah you actually got to enjoy the olympics for what it was which is you know the best athletes in the world coming together and showing what they can do
1: yeah absolutely and that's you know that's that's all when you step back and you look at the olympics and the paralympics it's all you should appreciate the fact that it is athletes coming together and they all have their different journeys in the leader. But once the closing ceremony occurs, none of that matters. And it's, you know, it's the other things you take away from the, the experience as well that you realise. Sometimes you don't realise the laughter sport, um, how much you appreciate them. But, yeah, I do look back quite fondly now on all of my games for different reasons.
0: Yeah, oh, and that leads us perfectly into the next question. What are the benefits sport has provided you as an individual that has transferred over to other avenues of your life?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting um, and it's initially it's probably not something I, you would realise straight away. So I, I don't work in sport, um, I don't compete in sport anymore. That's not to say I won't in the near future, but I just don't, you know, I really wanted to step well away from sport and I guess establish myself in a in a career and establish myself as, you know, as a, not a different individual but I guess a different arena. And one thing I started to realise later on in my athletic career was that, you know, life is... Life and sport is full of ups and downs and you go through injuries. But I remember after each injury, injury I'd done, even little injuries, little niggles, I'd always think, you know, they, in the end, they, a lot of the time, not all the time, a lot of the time end up being quite a good thing because what they force you to do is they force you to, to do things that you wouldn't usually do, like, hey, you've actually got time now to do all the stretches Mm-hmm. and all the, you know, the core stability work that you might not necessarily want to do or you might not find time to fit into your programs because you weren't at a disadvantage with this injury. So you come out of an injury being a lot stronger as an athlete because you've been forced to do all the little things that you've needed to do to get over the injury. So, you know, I I guess I look at life now and I realise that we, we have some negative times in life and as we've, we've all lived through 2020 so we know what that looks like but there's always in you may have to look harder sometimes but there's always a positive that you yeah. can pull out of it there's always a good that you can find you may not realize at the time it might take some time to realize that hey that was the positive that that came out of that negative experience um but yeah it's just having hope that that you know and, and the knowledge that 90% of the time, there's always good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it just might need a little bit of extra looking to find it.
1: Exactly. Sometimes it needs a high-powered magnifying glass. There's always there's always good.
0: Yeah, oh, I like that. And um, that's kind of a lesson as well, but is there another lesson along the way that you've learnt that you'd want to share?
1: I wouldn't say it made me feel more comfortable with... Um, with stepping outside of my comfort zone, but it just reinforces that you, in life you've got to give yourself the opportunity to exercise resilience. Mm -hmm. And you don't exercise resilience unless you're actually forced to exercise it. And I do believe it's like a muscle. So it's not until you're there actually pumping it that it gets exercised, Uh, but... Yeah, you got to. You've got to push yourself, and you've got to feel vulnerable, and you've got to be scared, and you've got to feel nervous. Um, and only is it then that you grow. So, sport, I guess, taught me. This is in a, in association with the fact that you know pull positives out of negative periods. You know, you can be resilient and feel a little bit more comfortable with being outside of your comfort zone, if you're happy to come close to exercising that muscle
0: yeah and oh gosh that's just flashed me back to one of my coaches one of my swim coaches and he used to tell me get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable and that's exactly Mm. what you've just said yeah wow
1: yeah exactly so I do I absolutely I still do that a lot now there's still periods you know times in my life where I feel fairly uncomfortable and that's at work and um in my personal life as well. Yep. And we never love feeling uncomfortable. And I don't think we ever get closer to feeling comfortable with uncomfortable. But what it has taught me is that not only yourself but other people, you may not see it, but they will give you the space to mm. bounce. But you've got to you've got to show them that you're willing to put yourself out there and prove to them that you you can bounce. So Uh, yeah that's I think that's important and it's something that I I sort of I look after a team at work at the moment and I sort of I hope that I try to let them know that you know it's okay to fail or, or to not succeed I'm trying to give you the space to to show you that you know you can if you fall you'll bounce yeah but I need you to push yourself close to doing that so
0: yeah, no, that's amazing. And what industry are you in now, in terms of work? What are you doing?
1: I'm in steel. Okay. <laughs> so I work for I work for Blue Scope Steel. So, um, one of it's a yeah, I guess an Australian steel mill. Yeah. It's a global cool. company as well. So yeah, so I I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, very different to yeah. javelin. I mean, obviously, I've gone from from throwing steel to working <laughs> in it. Um, I love that it's different,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there's still a lot of the same things I did as an athlete that I do now. Yeah, Yeah.
0: oh, I love that. And were you ever put in the position when you were in some of the later games that you did as a leader for the team, the Australian team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was the flag bearer at Qatar, the one that I did my ACL at. And that was, I think that came out of the fact that i Come back from my first ACL, and they thought, good for you. Um, I was also, had become by that point in time, one of the more senior members of the athletics team, even yeah. though I wasn't really that old. <laughs> um, so, I know it was really nice to be able to carry the Australian flag and to be, I guess, to be nominated as um, or seen as being a leader of the team. That was important to me because it also. I think showed me that when bad things do happen in a very public space, when you're travelling with a team like that and you're faced with another injury, exactly the same as one you've just had, that um, despite what what you may want to do, which is curl up in a ball and retreat into your room, I I really pushed myself to get back out there and watch the others compete Wow. And it was heartbreaking at times and, and I didn't want to and I just wanted to sit in the hotel room. I didn't want to be around the rest of the team. and it also it was became quite apparent that the rest of the team didn't really know how to be around me as well. And you know I wouldn't I, it, it's, I completely understood that. They're there to focus on their own competition. so I would be much the same. but no, I really pushed myself to get back in the mix with the team and to remain a leader despite the fact I couldn't compete.
0: Yeah, and that would have been such a hard thing to go through at the time, but it's probably prepared you really well to be the team leader um, working for Blue Scope Steel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it probably got me the job at Blue Scope Steel, to be perfectly honest, because it was through that that I think it was through that leadership position in Qatar that I was then nominated by the CEO of Athletics Australia at the time who was travelling with us um, to do a program with the Australian Sports Commission and Blue Scope Steel. So it was through that that I think I ended up getting a job eventually and had I not been nominated for the program, I wouldn't have met the person I did at Blue Scope and wouldn't have ended up with a job in the steel industry.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, I know you said it's completely unrelated, but it has related. Yeah,
1: it it totally is related. Well, you're right. I did say it was unrelated, but it, it very much is related. So, you know, I do think should I have remained in my room, that trip wouldn't have opened opportunities up for me later on in life.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. That's amazing. Have you been involved in a project where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community?
1: Yeah, so I guess as a Change change Our Game ambassador, we were chatting about that a little bit earlier on. I know that it's been a really nice way for me to reconnect with grassroots sport, which, you know, I, I don't connect with often. Sport is something I, I post, post-javelin I don't get too involved in and that may change as, as my kids get a little bit older and start to participate in sport, but it's nice to... I have a better understanding now through that of the different roles that sports plays within the community. And it's not just about competition and it's not just about being the best at the event or the the sport itself, but it's about the role that sport is able to play in in people's lives. So it's been really nice to be a part of that just to, I guess, it, it reinforces the importance of sport in the community and the importance of, pathways from grassroots sport for us as a nation Mm -hmm. as well so yeah I I enjoy being an ambassador for that very much so
0: yeah and so the change our game initiative from what I saw I did a little bit of research is it to focus on women's participation in all areas of sport yep
1: absolutely so that's you, you hit the nail on the head there so it's basically it's um it's the office for women sport was something that the Vic government put together, and I think it was a really great initiative for them to do because we know we've seen the stats. Of, mm-hmm. I don't have the stats for you, but you know I'm sure you've seen the stats of the drop off rate of uh, women throughout yeah. their adolescence and again through their twenties in sport, and that's something that the, that change our game is. I just tried to um, tried to shake up and. It just sort of reiterates the importance that sport plays in young women's life, but not all, all not young women, not just young women, but also later in life as well. Yep. The community aspect and the just being physically active and being a part of something. So it's so I am very proud to be proud to be a part of that. I think it's something that's really good. I think it's something that's great that Vic's doing.
0: I really like that initiative because myself like I don't really participate in sport in any competitive way anymore. But I'm certainly still involved like with my job and I did a fair bit of coaching a few years ago. And yeah, like even then I was still reaping all those benefits of sport. And I was, you know, not even just participating in it, but I was, yeah, in I guess I was in an administrative role or a leadership position. And yeah, like to keep females in that space for a little bit longer like imagine the benefits it could do. yeah it's amazing yeah
1: absolutely and you know you can make say a sport can be a really safe place for people as well it can become a very safe community and that's if you're setting up a community that's ultimately what you want it to be is you want it to be a safe space for people to enjoy themselves and as a nation we look at sport and we look at our sporting heroes we look at elite sport and we think that's where we want to be Mm. Uh, and it's not always achievable for people and even for me having been at that level coming out of sport I don't want to be there anymore and I want I want a safe place for me to go back to sport and compete at a you know an amateur level where it's just purely for enjoyment yeah. So that's why it's, you know, it's just as important that we emphasise that within the community just as much as the pathway to elite sport from grassroots.
0: Yeah, and I guess the percentage of kids that, you know, look up and go, I want to be an Olympian or a world champ, it's like the percentage that will actually get there is so small. So we want to address so small, all the yeah. people, yeah, all the people under that that could make that, you know big difference and change in their lives through participating in sport yeah absolutely and now how old are your kids
1: they're two and a half, Two and, and a half they're twins
0: yep. <laughs> oh my gosh twins <laughs> double trouble Yep.
1: so double trouble so they'll be three in june so they are we're toilet training at the moment which is good fun oh um,
0: I've just toilet trained a puppy, but I'm sure toilet training twins are way same. I
1: think it is much the same. I keep telling them to go outside. Um, <laughs> so they don't listen to me, though. They prefer to use the bathroom, but, hey, that's cool, whatever.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Well, um, I guess that ties us in to the next question. You've got twins that are two and a half. Where do you mm-hmm. see the future of sport? What world do you reckon they're going to be participating in sport if they participate in sport,
1: that's really interesting. I um, and I caught up with a couple of friends Friday night for dinner, and they they are still competing, um, and they are still hoping to make. Or I think one's already been selected, but they're still hoping to get to the Olympics this year. Yeah,
0: Tokyo. Um,
1: in terms of they just want to get it's it's all about will Tokyo, you know, will it happen? So it's it's funny, I guess. Where do I, where do I see sport in the future? I hope it's very different to where it's been I think I think from a grassroots community level, I think we've come a long way there. Yeah, so I've already seen it change from and I'll tell you it's it's as easy as I have lived out of the area I grew up in for six years. And on returning to the area and just driving around, there's um, girls' cricket teams playing, and I never saw that around here when I was playing cricket. So that's changed. There's girls playing footy. Yeah. We didn't have any girls' footy teams in the area when I was growing up. So, yeah, we've, we've become a lot better, I guess, at um, making space for girls within community sport and making space for girls within established boys' clubs as well. I think that's a really good thing. I can see from an elite level, I hope that a lot doesn't change in terms of I want young kids to aspire to be Olympians and Paralympians because I think it's a really great thing and I think it's a really great movement to be a part of. But there is no doubt that we're seeing a lot more people, girls even, you know, want to play footy. So we know that we're seeing a lot of girls that maybe could have been elite rowers or um, sprinters move to footy. So we know that's happening. Mm. Um, but then that's not a bad thing because let's see, you know, AFLW become even bigger nationally. Uh, so I think I, what I want to see moving forward is I want to see more women's sport on TV, which is, which is getting better. Um, but I want to see more women competing in different sports outside of the four year Olympic cycle. So, you know, I want to see some of the different stuff. Let's get them to air some of that on TV as well so it's not just the netball, the cricket, the footy that we're seeing girls participate in. Yeah, I think um, I think we've got a long way to go. I think it's a shame it's taking us this long to get there. But um, I think we will eventually get there. I think we will. We're already on, on the way there. I think you look at the way that female athletes are celebrated in the US. You look at their soccer stars. And yep. there's stars over there. So, you know, we're probably a few years behind them, but I'm sure it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and it I guess you look back and the, you mentioned the cricket clubs and the footy clubs that didn't have girls participating in them and you look at the change that's happened, I'm going to call it 10 years. Has it probably been the last 10 Yeah, 10 I years? think, yeah,
1: probably 10 years. Yep, absolutely.
0: And it'd be interesting to see who was... Behind making those things happen. I know episode eight of season yep. one, we yep. had a girl called Emily, mm-hmm. and she actually started the, oh, I'm going to butcher it, the Eastern Football League, as in AFL Football League, yep. down near, I'm going to call it the Dandenongs Yarra Rangers area.
1: Yep, 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 yep.
0: And so she, she started, like the girl's side, she started that herself.
1: Wow, that's pretty and cool. It's,
0: yeah it's kind of like well who else who else is making those little changes like is it the girls and good on us if we're doing it
1: yeah, yeah exactly well, I would hope it would be the girls, but you know I think there would be some really uh cool guys integral mm-hmm. to the to the change as well, and that's a really yeah. good thing is that we need them to jump on board with us, and they are for the most part um but let's see more of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I think female sport, I can't wait to see the space that it takes up in, you know, the next 10 years where your your girls might get to participate in it. And hopefully it's exactly. a little bit, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more inclusive and has more opportunities than what potentially, like, you've grown up with. Or even yeah. myself, I got told I couldn't be an elite swim coach because I was a young female.
1: Yeah, well... I mean, it's, you know, I think we've we've become so used to hearing comments like that as women, but um, we've had a few women lead the way in terms of proving guys wrong, which is what we need. We need more of that.
0: Yeah, that's it. And, you know, are your twins girls?
1: Boy and a girl, yeah. Boy
0: and a girl. So
1: boy and a girl. So I've even got to sort of stop myself. Sometimes I'll buy a football and say here you go Tom he's a football but it actually ends up being Chloe who's more interested in the football than Tom and even I think it's funny that I you know have that a very subconscious gender bias towards the two of them when it's something that I I shouldn't and I'm very aware of but I still do it so
0: yeah but it's really good that you can reflect and you know they're both at the same age they've both genetically got the same makeup and you know they're twins so, yeah, so I really hope they have equal opportunities in the next 10-15 years
1: ongoing yeah, exactly and I've made I, you know hopefully they'll be very competitive one against one another it's something that I really try and put a lot of pressure on is that I want one twin to be better than the other in a given <laughs> time so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no well oh thank you so much for joining us today maddie i really really appreciate it and you've got young kids at home and you've taken out decent chunk of your day to speak to us so thank you again
1: thanks so much for having me i've enjoyed having a chat it's been really cool
0: it has been awesome hasn't it <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of beyond sport with fiona stewart If you liked this episode, please share it with someone that you think would also like it. If you want to find out more, you can find us at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart on both Facebook and Instagram. Until next time.